This is the Independent Dealer Podcast. Education by dealers for dealers. Now, here are your hosts, Luke Godwin and Jeff Watson. Hello, and welcome to the Independent Dealer Podcast, brought to you by Buckeye Dealership Consulting. Luke, I'm going to be straight with you, man. (laughs) I have no idea why these two gentlemen are here. I don't know what's going on. It's always always trouble when you have two attorneys that focus on the car business. On our uh, show, Jeff. This is not this is not a good sign. So I Googled something about the topic of this podcast, the FTC cars rule. And if you guys are like the average dealer, myself, you've seen a little bit. Every so often you catch Steve's post, you catch Sean's posts about this. Cars rule, it stands for combating auto retail scams. Now, like if that doesn't set you up for success, I don't know, I don't know what kind of rule it does, guys. Welcome to the podcast. What do we have going on here? Are Unless we all scammers and the federal government has just set up a brand new rule to keep us from scamming people. And, and let's let's set up our guests as well. Uh, Sean Peterson with Buckeye Dealership Consulting and Steve Levine with uh, Steve. I, I forget the name, but Ignite. everybody knows who Steve Levine is. Ignite. Ignite. That's right. Sorry. And um, no and, and it, they're two attorneys. I mean, need we say more? Uh, and they specialize one isn't enough yeah and i i think the this joke, luke the old joke goes you know what what do you call uh one attorney at the bottom of the sea a good start yeah, right? yeah. yeah. so and, two, i mean that's just <laughs> what do you call two attorneys on the independent dealer podcast trouble that's that's what we're gonna do <laughs> so and, and i think the ftc car rules probably requires at least two attorneys to try to make any sense of this um so let's Let's talk about why this apparently is needed from the FTC's perspective. I don't think it's needed, but there are some bad actors in our uh, in our business, Jeff. And I think there's bad actors all over the board. Um, Sean, would you like to say why the FTC thinks this is needed? Well, I, I that's the the probably sixty million dollar question, not sixty thousand dollar question. It's Nobody, nobody can answer that from the industry perspective, right? The um, the why doesn't make a lot of sense because most of the, the the acts and practices that they're looking to prohibit, they're already prohibited. They're already regulated. Exactly. Right? Between, but they're not enforced. The, yeah. Well, Is that it? well that's certainly enforced. there's certainly some argument that people, consumer advocates, would make that 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 they're not enforced. I think the industry would obviously disagree with that too, but. But if you look at the course of the last, let's say, dozen years, really since the CFPB came into creation in 2010 and, and, and the existence of this Dodd-Frank statute, um, there have been multiple opportunities for the, the FTC to, to engage in a, a legit research, well-evidenced and, and rational rulemaking process, and they punted every time. From an enforcement standpoint, they have pursued some cases to be sure, but if you look at the scope of those cases over the course of the last 10, 10 years or so, there's only been about 35, 37, something like that, but it's been less than 40 that are actually against the dealers for what I might say would be alleged you know, misconduct that, that nobody wants in the business. And certainly, you know, I, I think so, everybody 
would, would tell us what is this? I, I think we need to go to the beginning because I like me and most dealers, I don't even know what this is. What, what are yeah. they doing? What are they trying to get at us? And what do we dealers need to know to stop doing? So, you know, that, that, there's a saying that you learn this in law school, bad facts make bad law. Uh, so, so they went and interviewed a bunch of really ticked off consumers, found some very egregious examples and, and basically built a, a very cumbersome rule around those horrible experiences that people had. And, and, and I don't and, think I'm overstating that because they, they say it itself. Uh, and what's interesting, Steve, real quick is the number of people that they interviewed was 38. Yeah. <laughs> all, from, <laughs> all from one market, right? Some and dealers. Greater some DC senator, that's gosh. it. That's it. Some senator's son got screwed or, or pissed off or their uncle got taken advantage of and now it becomes a federal law. So what is it, Steve? So, so yeah, yeah. Just, just in summary, there's basically four pillars to it. Uh, it it's going to prohibit misrepresentation about material information, you know, the, the key information in a transaction. Uh, it, it's going to require dealers to disclose what's called the offering price, uh, the actual price anyone can pay to, to buy a car uh, finance a car, uh, excluding only required government charges. You know, so so things like, like non-mandated dock fees and 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 other fees that get packed on. That that's going to be part of the offering price. Uh, number three is it, it makes it illegal for dealers to charge consumers for add-ons that don't provide a benefit. Which you know, uh, I could yeah. argue that that's already illegal, but but they're codifying it here. And and finally, uh, they're requiring dealers to to get express informed consent uh before charging consumers anything so so i so, mean that's what we do already right well yeah that, that that's what good dealers do uh i mean granted i i've got some energy about this rule because i i really think that they overshot yes there are bad deals out there uh and and i look at a lot of deals and, and there's a wide range of disclosures and paperwork uh but but I think a lot of this is, is already illegal under various laws. Uh, FTC just wanted to, to clarify and, and, and codify that. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting to me. I, I, FTC seemed to be wrapping themselves up in, and they say this a lot of times, that they issued a dealer's guide, uh, kind of informing dealers on what they need to look at. Everybody go to ftc.gov and pull the dealer's guide. And, and they keep on getting back to the fact that, you know, there are bad dealers out there and honest dealers are being hurt. And all salesmen can tell you stories about how they lost a deal to, to somebody cross town that wasn't following the rules. It just seems to me that they're really trying to wrap themselves up. And, you know, honest dealers should love this rule because it's a good thing. And, you know, they go so far as to say, well, this isn't going to add any, any time. It's not going to add any paperwork. And boy, I've got a lot to say about that because I, I think it's going to. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think one of the biggest um, the biggest issues that I see happening in the used car market is false advertising pricing. Um, and, and there's already rules in effect that aren't enforced when it comes to false advertising. I could get on car gurus. I could get on auto trader. I could get on cars.com. I can get on Facebook Marketplace right now, pull up a car that I, I see is a good deal. I could go to that dealership. And I'm telling you, probably nine times out of 10, I'm not going to be able to buy it for the price that's advertised. Um, I have friends all around that, that run into this problem. 
And they say, Luke, what am I supposed to do? I said, well, I wouldn't do business with a dealer that's that's not, you know, not living up to the law and the spirit of the law. And and there's been times in South Carolina where this has been challenged by by the Department of Consumer Affairs to no avail. If anything needs to be done, this already needs to be enforced, but it hasn't been. And it's a definite right now it's an FTC rule violation. How's this going to change it? Hey, everybody, real quick, uh, just a reminder, if you're not set up with TaxMax, now is the time to do it. We are just right on the very edge of tax season. We've started to see a couple W-2s come through, but today's the 17th of January, so they're all going to hit in the next two weeks. Get signed up today. Yeah, do it. It's very simple. Uh, text and, and file or whatever it is has been helpful for us. We got a phone call the other day. Hey, um, I did my taxes online. We didn't even know it. It was so great. Yeah. So uh, we had the exact same thing. We showed up one morning and this lady had messaged us. She's like, hey, my my, my tax return is there. I want to come get my car. And we're like, what are you talking about? And sure so, enough, we look in the system and we've got like five grand to deposit. It's crazy. So neat. So neat. So uh, get set up. Uh, VIP is the code you use and uh, get going, man. Well, you know. I think that they're they're making it very clear that this is the the standard we're holding the industry to, and and some of those bad examples uh, I talked about earlier. You know, they they talked about one case where, where somebody called and got a price, and they drove three hours uh, to go to the dealership, and it, it was several thousand dollars more expensive because because all this dealer pack. Yep, mm-hmm. I get that. I I do think that needs to stop, but I, I also want to bet. Uh, that that jurisdiction already has a deceptive acts and practices statute that should stop that if it was enforced. And if that consumer went to a, a lawyer uh, and, and or called the state regulator, uh, there's already plenty of meat to enforce that. So I, I don't know that we needed this, but you know I'm, I spent the first month resisting it. And, and now I'm kind of like, well, this is what we have to live with. So what's the, the best way to get folks to, to as painlessly as possible comply? So, so let me jump in on that, Luke, because I think it's a really good question, right? Agree with Steve 100%, right? These, these false advertising, they're already regulated, right? There's laws in place that prevent that. Why would the FTC do this? Going back to the first question and, 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 and what's different? This new rule just gives them an easier way to do it, right? When when the the existing stuff talks about you know unfair and deceptive related things, and some of the state regulations will have uh, specifics as it pertains pertains to advertising. Thou shalt not do this, and thou shalt do that. We get it, right? Truth and lending has those sorts of things as well. When you're when you're advertising costs of credit, these. This this cars rule has now some very specific things that you have to do, right? Check boxes, and we'll certainly uh, can get into some of that. It makes it easier to enforce. If you don't check the box, it's easier for me to show up and say, all right, now you owe me X number of dollars, and we're going to take you to court, or we're going to enter into some administrative consent decree. It just makes it easier for them. But it's already regulated. Okay, yeah. so it was, that was... It was- it was regulated, right. then why did it persist for so long, right? So you say the deceptive pricing game, Luke, it is illegal, but yet all the new car stores do it and some of the used car stores, right? They all play the game and they've played it for so long. It, it obviously is not enforced. 
No, it's illegal, not. But they all it, do it. So you know, how do you I, stop that from happening? I've had several people take um, in South Carolina. There was a big lawsuit years ago about um, about uh, um, closing fees and, and several large uh, dealer franchise groups got got nailed pretty good, right? Um, and then they make a rule, and then everybody breaks the rule again. They don't advertise in their fees and everything like that. We've taken number of, of franchise stores because this, I think a lot of these things go on in franchise stores, taking them to the Department of Consumer Affairs, who does that, regulates that in South Carolina, and laid it in front of them. And you know what they did? These new car stores told them to go pound sand. They didn't care. I, and and they have the political backing to do it. So hopefully this could help with that because there's the state level. Sometimes it just can't get done. I, I'm not for this, but I think if they can do anything to help, this would go a long way in our industry. I, I actually agree with that part of it. You know, I, I think there is a problem uh, that that offering price hopefully is going to solve because I think there there's a lot of misleading information put out there. So to that extent, I, I do think it's good. Again, I, I think the FTC trying to, to wrap itself as, as the good guys and and you know we we want to help honest dealers. I think that's a little disingenuous. They're they're clearly a consumer protection arm, uh, but but I, I do think that part of it is fair. I, I think going after uh, some of the add-on products uh, that that folks either aren't being told or voluntary. They're they're, they're mandated. I don't mind that either, you know, but, but, but I, I think so, some of this other stuff where, where they're basically coming up with a laundry list based on, again, the, the worst examples that you could find. Uh, can you, then, can you, can you yeah. give it a, an example of what some dealers out there are, are charging for that, that don't give any benefit to a customer that they're talking about a number three? I'll give you a perfect example. So uh, I actually had a good friend of mine call me and say, hey, I'm standing at the lot with my daughter. We're gonna buy a car. The guy's trying to sell me a Gap product. And she told me, I've got about $10,000 in cash to put down. Like, you don't need a Gap product, right? Yeah. <laughs> they were trying to shove it down their face. You know, I told her to push back. So uh, that would it would be something like that, okay. where there's clearly no benefit that the consumer is gonna uh, derive from, from having that product. Yeah. Selling so, you a powertrain warranty when the car still got powertrain warranty left. Right. Factory warranty. Right. But but, you know, I want to address something that Sean said, because, Sean, I found this interesting. I, I totally agree uh, about that gap example. But, you know, then they start talking about loan to value ratios and, and, and making sure that it makes sense from the consumer standpoint. But they don't give you any sort of hard line number as, as a safe harbor. You know, I kind of scratch my head. I don't know what the right number is. Uh, I don't know when you reach it. So yeah, that's a great that's a great point, Steve. If I have a customer that comes in and puts five thousand dollars down on a twenty thousand dollar car, and I sell them Gap, am I triggered then? You know, personally, I wouldn't. Think we don't so. know. We don't know. You know. Yeah, we don't know. Because if I don't sell the customer Gap, and they wreck it tomorrow, and there is a gap, then is the consumer are they able to come back at me? Yeah. Yeah, and then and and then you have the other point. For years, my advice has been offer everything, every everything to everybody. Offer everybody the same thing, so you you can't you know boomerang back and and be be uh, said to be discriminating. 
Yeah, we have a rule: one hundred percent of product, one hundred percent of the time. That's, yeah, that's the I can see that being a benefit to some dealers, right? It's going to train their F and I guy to go down the entire laundry list of items that he's trying to get sold and push them all. You know, so you can get a yes or no to. from each one. Yeah, yeah, they're going to have to. So in Utah, we had a recent law passed that went into effect this year that uh, one legislator, my legislator, close buddy. Uh, daughter went to a car lot and felt like she didn't understand uh, the sales agreement. So he implemented what's called a statement of understanding. So now in the state of Utah, we have a separate document that is a statement of understanding, which is basically just a regurgitation of the, re <laughs> the, of bill the sales of sale. contract, yeah, right? Yeah. What did you buy it for? What did you get for trade? What were the side products? What did you pay in tax? It's like everything's in these documents already you just have these people that come out and say, well, let's just, let's make it purple instead of blue. Let's put a box around it so that people can understand the boxes better. Like it's all there. Well, that, so, I mean, that's what, that's what number document four, that's what number four sounds like requires dealers to get consumers express informed consent before charging them for anything. And Steve, the last time we had you on here, I'm pretty sure we talked about junk fees mm -hmm. and I assume that's where this comes uh, have we been able to define what a junk fee is yet? Not to my satisfaction, because, you know, if you look at the, the FTC and both the, the CFPB as well, anything that leads to any sort of, of uh, profit to a, to a dealer, that they seem to want to call it a junk fee. There's actually a proposed rule that the FTC has that they're soliciting comments on right now about junk fees and, and how that'll be defined. And I mean, in and of itself could be problematic, so... So Luke, we switched our payment processor or we're in the process of processing our payment processor uh, over to BlitzPay, right? I did a, a research. I looked at all of them. You guys have heard that episode. I am so surprised by the amount of customers who are just like positive feedback. They're like, huh? it was so easy to set up my portal. It's so easy to make a payment. It's just easy, right? It's We've had zero pushback. It's really, really an easy setup, easy platform. I think Blitzpay reached out to us when we switched back in March. Like, how did y'all get so much buy-in so quickly to people using this? And it really wasn't us. It was their product. So uh, save yourself some money, save your customers some aggravation, switch to Blitzpay and uh, start collecting better and, and processing payments better. So uh, we talked about it here. The, the next question, I have, I have two questions here. Um, how much more is this going to cost me um, per deal? I mean, I, you know, that's one of those things. This is going to be a cost for sure. And I've already taken a hit over the last two years. My gross margins have shrunken because of, because of everything else going on. Um, when does this go in effect? How much is it going to cost me? And where, how do I get trained to even figure all this out? So great questions, all of them. Let me let me kind of give you a little bit of um, you know process of what's going on right now. So um, the cost is largely an unknown thing, and that's actually one of the arguments that the NADA, the Franchise Association, and their Texas affiliate have uh, raised in a petition that they have filed with the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals here in Texas. Right, so they're challenging yeah. the FTC's rule. They filed a brief, um, FTC has a chance to respond here within the next couple of days, but they're asking the court to toss the rule for a bunch of different reasons. One of which is they haven't clearly defined exactly that question, right? 
how much is this going to cost? Like they've they've put in a um, just kind of general amorphous. Well, of course there'll there'll be some compliance costs, but it's it's the juice is worth the squeeze in essence is what the FTC is saying. But they have to demonstrate that there's um, you know what what that you know cost and benefit analysis is, and and the NADA's argument that they haven't done that. Um, that will be an interesting argument. They've raised other arguments like the, the FTC didn't follow their own rulemaking process when issuing this, that there's no evidence. You know, Steve mentioned this, uh, you know, these interviews, 38 people. Well, well, that's there's no quantitative evidence, like specific hardcore evidence that you can point to, no research. Um, but they also point to the fact that, that uh, the legal term is arbitrary and capricious, right? In essence, it's just pulling something out of your rear end and throwing it against the wall. Uh, type of an argument, but but what they're saying there is, you know, the F, the FTC is is putting this out there without understanding what the impact is on the industry, and then they um, they they in essence in this in this final rule said um, we we don't think the uh, the impact will be any different for the in person closing as opposed to an in person shopping as opposed to online shopping. Well based off of what, right? That's just a random conclusion that they that they made. Um, I'll be very interesting to see how the court handles this case. Interestingly enough, this court is the same court that heard the case that found the CFPB and their funding mechanism to be unconstitutional. That case is now in the Supreme Court. Right? This is the same court that started that yeah. process. So uh, they're asking for the court to kick the rule. In the meantime, they're asking for a stay because dealers will need to start ramping up, right? The rule, if if everything stays at the status quo, the, the rule takes effect at the end of July and dealers <laughs> will have to be in compliance with provisions that, by that, that point in time. Yeah. That's let's impossible. talk about that. Yeah, let, let's That's talk impossible. about that for a second. Because yeah. to me, that, that, was, that was very political. They obviously want to get this implemented before the election. So they gave the industry very short runway. I mean, they looked at this thing for almost a year and a half, and then they announced it in December, you know, right in time for the holidays. Uh, the industry is kicking up for, for tax season, and, and then you're supposed to have this implemented. I mean, it's, it's a ridiculously short time frame. Yeah, and think oh. about it. So, yeah. Luke, think about some of the things to your, to your other question. You know, what, what do I need to do? I there will be forms changes. There's going to be technology changes. There's going to be training that's going to need to be done because the entire process is going to be different, right? Changes that you need to make to websites and engaging customers and all this. I, it To me, it's hard to quantify a specific number, but it sure sounds like it's cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching pretty quickly. I can, and yeah. I thought it was laughable that they they said, well, this isn't going to add any more time and it's not going to add any more documentation. <laughs> I mean, because because all I'm thinking of, how are you going to prove that that you've done all this? It's going to be documentation. And, and then we haven't spoken about record retention yet. There's a record retention component to all of this, too, uh, where, where just about everything the dealer does, whether it's a closed transaction or not, has to be retained for at least 24 months. So so that's another component uh, that, that, well, that dealers are going to have to worry about. I mean, we keep all our records for a long time. What kills me is it says your ads. So all of your ads have to be retained for 24 months. So if you post a posting to Facebook with a price in it, you would have to sometime, somehow archive that ad 
for 24 months so that you can someday in the future prove that you didn't post it a uh, an illegal price. Well, I'll, give, I'll give you another one that, that'll blow your mind, right? Because there's arguments out there. What if you have a telephone message on your, you know, in, in your IVR before you somebody picks up the phone and you're running whatever verbally? That could be construed to be an ad that you're going to have to keep some record of that even. Hmm. This, would, this, I mean, would, would it, this require dealers to put their dock fee in the advertised price we have to do that and we have to do that already jeff That's you do we, we don't and a lot of dealers get away with these insane dock fees because they don't have to put it in the advertised price. Yeah, Would that, that make that's that, now the offering price. Yeah. That's now the offering price, right? Because it's not a federal or a state mandated fee. Correct. Any of those that would include obviously the market-based adjustments, right? And I think that's really where this door got opened is all those dealers who were putting yeah. insane market-based adjustments. And I said it at the time, this is gonna be the catalyst for them to come after us because dealers got so greedy with the market-based adjustments and not putting it in the advertised and, price. And people not putting recon in advertising prices, which we've seen. Uh, trans, transport, transportation, like, all these things, yeah. And coffee, they're not advertising, like I'm gonna, right? I'm going to charge you for everything after the fact, like I'm Southwest Airlines. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I just, I don't see how we could even begin to be ready in July for this. Um, what are, with that being said, what are the chances this is, if if the court works or not works, what are the chances that it actually will go into effect in July? Well, if you want me to handicap it, I mean, it, look, it's it's pretty evident that there was a, uh, a, a concerted effort to find an opportunity to put this case in this court, right? It, because this court has a history of, you know, pumping the brakes on government action, aka what happened with the CFPB. So if you if you want me to handicap it, I'd say it's a better than average shot that there will be a stay that's granted, right? Good part part of the idea of of a court giving a stay is that um, absent the stay, there would be irreparable harm. So while they're arguing the actual outcome of the rule itself, right? If 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 dealers have to ramp up with compliance costs that could be significant and are largely undefined at this point in time, but could be significant, that would be a, a you know a, it's a cost that they would never be able to recoup. So I think there's a, a better than average chance that a court would grant the stay. Now, with respect to the ultimate outcome, I I don't know that I mean that one's a much harder argument I think to to handicap while they're while they're debating the. The merits of the rule itself and whether it, it was actually done properly and, and all the sorts of arguments that, that NADA is reaching. So hmm. I, I don't want to share people, I don't want to scare people off, or or maybe even I don't want to suggest necessarily that this is something that they can just close their eyes on and not start to get ready for. I think I think dealers need to move forward with the idea that. J July 31st is coming or 30. I remember it was 30 or 31st. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, I think they need to prepare for that. The court, my guess is not going to, to issue any kind of ruling. NADA asked for a ruling by on the stay uh, by March 31st. So we'll see if the court's able to do that or not. But let me propose this to you guys that are listening. April 23rd. <laughs> We are going to be having Buy Here, Pay Here United in Las Vegas at the Bellagio. 
if you come to that, I guarantee you Sean and Steve will give us a much better update of where this thing will sit and and what we are going to need to be prepared for ultimately, right? I mean, come the end of April, we're going to know whether we've got to stay or whether we need to be scrambling the jets and getting this out, right, guys? I imagine at Buy Here, Pay Here United, do we have some education sessions planned on this? Y'all know, guys, Buckeye Reinsurance uh, products. I have also made the switch. You know, I'm making the switch to all of our vendors, I guess. <laughs> I don't know which came first, but I'm switching my stuff over to Buckeye right now. It's a process, you know, um, but we're getting it set up so that we could be better at selling those products, right? I'm reinventing the products. I'm repricing them. I'm looking at all of our backend stuff again and figuring out how I can use that reinsurance company to set up long-term wealth. Yeah, and, and we always talk about that long-term wealth. The best time to get started with Buckeye is today. Call them, get set up. They'll have you going. You can get all that tax uh, tax money into your reinsurance company and start start booking it, man. That's what you got to do. Give them a call today. Yes, we do. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be uh, leading a class on this uh, the very first day, uh, Wednesday morning, I believe. Uh, and yeah. joining me, because I thought this was really important, J joining me are going to be uh, two uh, representatives of service providers, but because I, I don't think this is being talked about enough. You know, I, I used to work for a DMS and I can just flat out tell you, we weren't staffed to get a couple of hundred requests to change a document all at once. And and I think this that's a big part of that. So, so I, I plan to, to talk to those service providers and kind of ask them, what are you doing to be able to, to meet what's going to be an avalanche of demand? Yeah, how great would it be if they just had these documents pre-programmed for us and we could just uh, they, add them to our should. packages? Well, well they, they should, I think. Yeah. So with by the other, thing, I, the other I, thing I'll add real quick, Jeff, and this is a conversation you and I have had multiple times, right? The one thing that Steve is going to do in this uh, session as well, those that come, they're going to walk out of there with a checklist. Here's what you mm. need to do. Check the boxes. Yep. Love I love me a good checklist, that's for sure. <laughs> Tell me, give it to me in just straightforward English and let me check the boxes. This whole freaking uh, news release that they put out is yeah. nonsense. I need Steve to interpret it and give me the actual. <laughs> so so let me let me share this because I thought this was interesting. So, you know, we, we do webinars every month at Ignite. Uh, we, we did one in December right when this came out. And, and then we did one yesterday. And and we had more questions than we've ever had on a, on a webinar before. And, and it was really hard for us to give blanket answers because, you know, the people on the webinars, we work with a lot of them. We know their situation and the answer isn't the same, uh, you know, depending on their, their size, model, everything else. So basically, I spent the afternoon after the webinar reaching out to people one on one. Uh, sorry, that wasn't more clear, but, you know, your situation is a little bit different than the way the question so I think there's a lot of it too. So, so yeah, my goal in, in, in putting that, that material together, uh, if I hear pay your United is, is to at least give people a fighting chance to walk away with something that they could take back and say, okay, this is what we have to execute. And, yeah, and this Steve, is our timeline. Yeah. Steve, I think you picking out some of those best, uh, questions and answers and, and, and putting that out to the people at buy here, pay here, uh, summit would be, would be also helpful because some of us don't know what to ask. Right. Sure. We're just kind of like, ah, who, who knows? But I know uh, Buy Here, Pay Here United Summit is going to be great. Um, Sean, what else can we look forward to? 
Well, we've got a, a fantastic agenda. It's up on the website. Everybody wants to uh, go check it out at bhphunited.com. You can register there, book your room there. We've got uh, fantastic classes in underwriting and collections. We've got uh, service inventory recon. We're going to have uh, a discussion from uh, from a couple of dealers on on how they've kind of navigated the 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 ever changing marketplace. What what they've done with you know cost of capital increases and how they've handled inventory concerns. How they, how they've weathered the storm and what they anticipate you know life looking like over the course of the next little bit as well. And, um, we've got great speakers like uh, Brent Carmichael and David Brotherton, obviously Steve. Uh, but most importantly, we've got dealers that are that are doing some stuff. But one of the one of the highlights, everybody in in independent dealer podcast world, is our dealer open forum sessions that are going to be moderated by. Yeah, Ooh. us. So we're we're really excited about that. Wait, what? <laughs> Jeff, I signed us up for that. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna provide the wrap up every afternoon. Ah, <laughs> he'll be up for it. He doesn't live too far away. This this might be a little uh, like kind of like a marriage where maybe they don't always communicate real well. <laughs> we don't have a shared calendar. We should have a shared calendar, uh, and you can put these things on here. Uh, you commit me to these things. Uh, no, but but I like that idea. Because I always think at the end of the day, yes, I do have a whole list of action items and take homes and things that I even just want clarification on. Like, hey, this sparked my brain to maybe implement this. Maybe I could pull the room of a bunch of dealers and say, hey, when you guys heard Steve talk, what did you think about this thing? Has anyone done it? Have you not done it? Is, is that kind of what that's going to be, Luke? I think so. Um, and and this is something that is very, uh, the last two um um, buy here, pay here, United Summits has done this. The very end of the day, you just kind of bring everything together, bring everybody in the same room. We're on stage. We're going to be taking questions. We're going to be answering questions. If we don't have the answer, we'll pull somebody out of the audience that does have that answer. Um, and so, yeah, we're just going to do a wrap up because I really think that's during the day at these conventions, you get so much put into your brain. Maybe you took a note that you didn't understand. Maybe you didn't understand an acronym that somebody used that that you need to go down that path, right? And we're going to be there to help help navigate that and help take all that garbage, the gluk or whatever it is inside your brain and, and kind of put it in file cabinets because sometimes it's hard for us to get those file cabinets going. And, you know, it's going to be fun. Uh, April 23rd, which is a Tuesday, uh, there's, a, um, there's a reception that night. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday um, is the summit. And we're at the Bellagio again, correct? Yes, sir. Registration's open. Uh, it's a great deal. It's been so much fun the last two years. We can't wait to be back this year, guys. We really appreciate uh, y'all letting us be involved. And it looks like we're going to have some Spanish-specific tracks too, right? In all yeah, Spanish we, presentations. We started, we started so that last to, year. And yeah. a resounding success, and uh, and and everybody is excited about that. The uh, the Spanish speaking dealers that we've heard from are really excited about that again, and and we expect that to really grow. And that'll be most of those sessions will be dealer led. Yeah, and that helps to bring your managers, your sales managers, even your salesmen that are just specifically Spanish speaking or feel more comfortable with it and and think they might be out of place. But this gives them that opportunity to hear it all in, in you know, the nuances to the words and the language and the presentation are a little bit different. So that helps so much when instead of trying to translate it yourself. I can't wait. 
Um, I'm gonna get in trouble with my wife because her birthday's on the 25th. Um, I've asked her to come out. She she has declined. So Jeff, um, just you and me, bud. Good. You can take me out for a nice dinner then. Oh yeah, you know I will. Sean, <laughs> <laughs> Steve, guys, thank you so much for your time. This has been super informative. We definitely look forward to buy her pay here United April 23rd. Um, appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Thank pleasure. you, guys. This has been great. Thank you for listening. Please leave us a review. We'll catch you in the next episode.